today on The Breakdown. There's nine left in the 2019 $25,000 World Series of Poker High Roller event. And Jason Kuhn, he's got a bunch of decisions to make. He's got a good hand. It's not a great hand, but he's a pro. He wants to go for some value, as Ike Haxon might say. But it's not going to be that easy because he's up against a pretty darn good player. We don't know how to pronounce his first name. We think it's Alexei uh, Ponikovs. Anyway, Ponikov's not going to make Kuhn's life easy at all, and Kuhn is going to have a really tough decision. Oh, did I mention that there's $1.8 million to the winner of this event, and we are at the final table? Because I thought I should have. I feel like I should have mentioned that. Anyway, let's get into it right now on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. I never really found your rhythm during that opening. Yeah, like I think I feel like stabbing. I should do it again. Nah, it's good. I should it's do good. It again. We we like it. We like it that you didn't find your rhythm. That's what the really? listeners want. It's because they want I, the rhythmless. It's the name. It's like the jazz. Name, I, I was like, I was like, am I going to say this guy's name or not? We don't really know how to pronounce his first name. We had all, we actually had a bet. You know this, but no one else does about how to pronounce his first name. I won. But we're still not really sure how to pronounce his first name. We just know you were wrong, and that was what the bet was. I was betting you were wrong. Um, we don't know how wrong you were. You might have been very wrong. You may have been barely wrong. Uh, it's unclear. It might be yeah. Alexis. It might be Alexi. It might be something very different. Uh, we know his last name is Ponikovs. It's a little that that made it, that made the whole thing. It threw off my rhythm. I'm like a dancer, and I can't hear the the bass drum right now. You know what I mean? A real dancer doesn't need to hear the bass drum. What do you mean? A real dancer only needs to hear the bass drum. You think they heard the bass drum in Black Swan? Yes. Of course they didn't. And they also saw the bass drum in Black Swan. That was... uh, Look, you're giving away too much about the movie. (laughs) Anyway, we're going to refer to him as Ponikovs. That's the plan. That's That's a great idea. That's our big plan. Jason, Jason Kuhn, our American minds can wrap around that Canadian pronunciation of Jason Kuhn. I guess he's not actually Canadian. He's from West Virginia. There's just a Canadian flag next to him on this GG Poker thing because he had to go to Canada to play in it. That is what is happening and mm-hmm. why I thought for a brief moment that Jason Kuhn was Canadian. Of course, he's not. He's from West Virginia. Certainly, the only poker pro I'm aware of from West Virginia. Do you know of any others? Uh, not off the top of my head. I'll say that. We probably do know of them, but we don't know that we, you know, we don't know what we don't know kind of a thing. In this case, so I mean, Wonka, Wonka from Poker Time spent a significant portion of his life living in West Virginia, fighting big coal. That is true. So, that is true. But he is certainly not from West Virginia, by any means. There's actually a documentary about that guy, or well, he's no. in it. Yeah, that's really different. But those two things are very different from each other. I'm in, I'm yeah. in documentaries. You know, like I'm in two documentaries, but like they're no, not nobody about. Nobody wants to see. I'm just saying, see those. they're not about me. I'm just in them, but like I am in them. Like I have significant parts in both of them, but I'm absolutely not the, the, the feature, you know, of the documentary. The Are you thrust. talking about that one about, about 747s where it has you pointing at an airplane and saying airplane big. <laughs> Are you talking about that one? <laughs> they're like, we hope one day he will be more sophisticated. Now on to, uh, <laughs> No, not that one. No, there are others. There actually one has yet. One is about to come out. One hasn't come out yet, and the other one came out uh, quite a while ago, many many years ago. The other, but the other one's on the verge of coming out. I actually, just had to. They just wrote to me and asked me how what I wanted my title to be when they put my when they put my name up for the first time in like 
So it's going to be very exciting, Grant. Very exciting. Is it a documentary about waking up at 1 p.m. and eating cereal with peanut butter in it? <laughs> it is not. Why, why would you ask that? Because <laughs> that is my vision of what your day looks like most days. <laughs> it used to be a little bit like that. I'm not going to, except the peanut butter in the cereal. It did used to be pretty similar to that. I'm on a new kick. Uh, for the last month or so, where I get up at 9.30 every day, no matter what. Uh, and I'm sure many of the listeners will find that very impressive. I know. Sorry. Time. For me, that's as someone who's been like a poker pro slash podcaster for the last several years, multiple years, you know, we've been like four years of doing podcasting at a, like, you know, quote, professional level, meaning we're getting paid and stuff uh, and videos and stuff like that, let alone poker, which has been, you know, like a solid 15 years at this point. Yeah, I've been I used to get up like between 11 and 3 p.m. 11 a.m. and 3 p.m. every day. And getting up at 9.30 is like a big, big new thing for me, but it's going well. And uh, so now I like get up, I work out, you know, like I'm all set to go by the time you and I meet. We usually meet at noon when we have our meetings like this one. I'm like getting it together. No cereal for me, bro. Spinach smoothie. It's the Levy regimen. And I welcome all of you to join me on it, except those you have to get up earlier for work or something like that. You guys should still do that. Yeah. Maybe work out at a different time than when I'm working out because if you probably have a job or something. That's fine. I support that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you, you privileged bastard. I know, I know. I am unlike you in any way. We can, we can pretend, though, that the people who have jobs have like more, more security than we do because that's like a very common like, thing that people talk about. Like when they, when they like talk to some us. Some jobs. Very few some jobs, jobs. That's true. Very few jobs have that much security. You can get fired at any second. <laughs> like businesses fail uh, all the time. Look at the pandemic. Not that that's a normal event, but black swan events happen. They happen like every 15 years. Anyway, people get fired. Government anyway. jobs. What'd you government say? Government jobs are really hard to get. It's really hard to get fired from a government job. I mean, when you've got, US. when you've got like a government that's like eliminating a lot of those jobs, it's uh it's easier, but you're right. That is, that is tougher, but not many people have government jobs. Some do, I guess. Um, but also the other side of it is most jobs like that, which you just like go do your nine to five, they have not as much, they don't have great security and they also don't have like often, this isn't true for all of them, of course, but a lot of them don't have much upside either. That's a tough combination. So like I would argue I have less security probably than someone with a job because like every month, like I'm like, Hey, uh, how's the sponsorship thing going? (laughs) (laughs) You know, still getting sponsor money. Cool. Um, but we have upside that, you know, being poker players and whatever that, that like a lot of people may not have. Now, obviously some people's jobs, they absolutely have all of that. You know, they're like, they've got huge upside yeah. and good for them. And that's great. Speaking yeah. of upside, $1.8 million for first place in this tournament. That's pretty high upside. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. I don't know. I really went off on a tangent there, didn't I? Uh, yes, that is really high upside for sure. And really worth winning. And in fact, because there's nine players left in this event, They've only locked up $154,000 at this point. So there's an insane amount of money still to be won in this event, as it normally is in these cases. But man, first place is, you know, 12 times what ninth place is. That's just like, you know, fortunes are won and lost. This is, this is like whether you're profitable or not is how you do it. Tables like this for a lot of these guys, you know, like in these spots. Yeah. Like, you're not here very often. You kind of need to do pretty well an outsized percentage of the time. To really kill it. Yeah. Jason Kuhn seems to be the guy who does pretty well in outsized percentage of the time in these yeah. types of things. This is a 25K buy-in. This is the Poker Players Championship of 2020. Do you know if they did it as they usually do in the World Series, where it was mixed game until the final table, and then it becomes no limit, or if it was no limit the whole time this year? 
Uh, it's uh, NLH, so I believe it is just No Limit Hold'em. Okay. So it's just really a 25K No Limit tournament. Is, did they make that change live as well? That strikes a little bit of a chord with me. Did they change it from, like, they used to be a mixed game until the final table, which was then No Limit Hold'em. Yeah, um, I don't know. Um, yeah. I feel like they hadn't changed that live. I feel like even in 2018, I think it was still, or 2019, it was still, uh, it was still like normally mixed games and stuff like that. You got a very, it's a 50K buy-in, of course, instead of a 25K. But um, like Miss Rocky would, has won that, I think, like two or three times, right? Uh, it's always mixed games. Like that's a big part of it. That's why it's called the Poker Players Championship. I'm actually really surprised. Maybe they just thought they weren't, they, they guaranteed $10 million. Maybe they were just worried about getting enough people. And so they just made it no limit hold them. Because I guess maybe I mean they didn't make there's the guarantee definitely anyway. some no limit hold'em players at this table. I don't know if they're good at the other games or not, but like Big Hoonies at this table, Jason Kuhn, Christian Rudolph, these guys mm-hmm. are known for no limit hold'em and specifically tournaments a lot of the time. Yeah, so I don't know. They could also be good mixed game players, like Jason Mercier, apparently very good mixed game player, but also known for no limit hold'em. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Anyway. Yeah, 150k ish getting paid right now, but. Everybody wants that 1.8 million. Jason Kuhn in decent position to do so. He's on the button in this hand. Uh, starts the hand with 9.8 million at the 200k big blind. So he's got 49 big blinds. That's a pretty good spot. Yeah, it is the big stack in the tournament. It looks like it is indeed by a significant margin. Um, pretty cool. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Also pretty cool is this was suggested by Ben on Twitter, nice. not Ben Page. Oh, just Ben. What? Get me Ben. Like that. It doesn't sound the same. It really it doesn't, doesn't sound the same. Maybe we could give Ben a last name just for this case. Get me Ben Romano. Something like that. Like Ray Romano, but Ben. Well, he, Ben Romano could be a reporter. Get me Ben Romano, the cousin of Ray Romano. Because <laughs> I'm a big fan of that show. And maybe he can get me an autographed picture or something. I don't know. Does he know? Can I? I'd love to meet that guy. Ray, not, not Ben. Does he, at least, does he at least know Brad Garrett? I know he's in the poker world. He's so bit. tall, and his voice is so strange. I love that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got to anyway. say, uh, uh, sorry, I'm going to do one, one quick 30 seconds here. So All right, do your I, thing. When I've seen Brad Garrett on like World Series of Poker broadcasts, I think the first time I saw him back in the day, I thought he was funny because, you know, everyone's so boring on those things, and he was just like fucking around, which was great. But, like, I think I've rewatched it in my life since then, and I found it, like, deeply unfunny because all the stuff he's doing is basically wasting everybody's time, you know, pretending to have big yep. decisions when, he, when he's still got his cards in front of him. Like, I think the pros must just be, like, pulling their fucking hair out. And, like, the cameras are on, so they're, like, they're not ever going to say anything or do anything. You know, they're just going to sit there and act like it's fine. And, like, Brad Garrett gets to no, I think- do whatever he wants. I think a lot of the people who are really good for poker TV are really bad to play poker with. Yeah. Like, um... In the non-poker pro realm, you have also, like, uh, what's his name? Kevin Pollock plays a lot. Mm. And he seems pretty annoying at the table, honestly. Yeah. Like, he, he really yes. wants attention. I mean, he knows he's famous. He knows people are there to, like, and happy to see him. Same thing with Jason Alexander. I remember he played once. And the stuff he was doing was just, like, so attention-seeking. I mean, there's, the no table. one can match uh, Kevin Hart when he did, oh, like. well, yeah. But he's, like. He's like, you know, pantomiming, having sex with the poker table and stuff like that. Like, just super out there stuff. And, like, it's really weird and, like, feels really, like, either fake or just so deeply unfunny and uncool. And, like, it would, I would hate to be at that table. Except that you get to play with Kevin Hart, who, you know, is obviously no good and richer than anything. So he's just going to be happy to lose to you. So that's the reason, and I another, guess, why you do it. 
another guy who is really great for poker TV and uh, who is a poker pro, mm. but I can tell you from experience is really annoying to be at the table with because I was one table away from him and I was annoyed is Maurice Hawkins. He oh, like yeah. his whole table kept yelling at him to, to we were playing the marathon, which means you have a lot of time, but his whole table was like calling the floor on him constantly because he was just every decision, every preflop decision, he would just monologue and talk oh. to everybody and, and talk down to everybody. And it was really, I was just next to it and I was tilting. I wasn't even at the table. Yeah. There's just a bunch of guys like all the attention seeking stuff is so exhausting when you have to sit there for hours and like, it's funny for like a minute, the first minute. Yeah. But when you're there for four hours, it is just like, you know, every, like there's nine people at the table and when someone like that does that, or Mike Madison does his thing, or Will Kasuf does his thing, like, and they take, te- they waste ten minutes of of time. They're actually wasting ten minutes times each person, so they're wasting like eighty minutes of time. They just waste like almost an hour and a half of the collective table's time. I mean, it's insane. It's it's really an awful yeah. thing to do. And but there's so there's such an ar- a narcissism there that they're just like willing to do it anyway. You know, it sucks. I was going to mention Kasuf, yeah, because Kasuf is obviously great for poker TV, but. Oh. Like, because they get to capture those little moments that end up being cool and funny and whatever. But overall, it's just a nightmare, I'm sure. It's only just good for poker nightmare. TV if it's if it's edited, though. Like, it, as soon as yeah. you're watching every hand, it's like you want to choke him out. Because it's like, stop right. saying the same six things over and over and over again, dude. And, like, taking forever to do anything. Which is, most most of the pros' complaints about him were exactly that. You know, and have been that for a decade. Anyway, he's pretty much out of the poker well, world now anyway, so... Well, yeah, because he, you know, stole He's, money from his friend while yeah. playing roulette. Yep, and got <laughs> caught. He got caught. Was, yeah. yeah. So dirty. Anyway, I, I'm sure that's not the first time we did something like that either, most likely. Oh, of um, course not. They, the time they get caught is almost never the first time, right? Once in right, a while, I guess. Of course. Almost never. Uh, so we don't have to deal with any of that at this table because no. it is online. And, uh, you know, the players aren't going to stall unnecessarily because they have a clock of 15 minutes, I believe, at the beginning of the final table that that's the entire clock they get to make extra long decisions. So seems fine. Stops that right in its tracks. Yeah. Let's get to the hand. Okay. Jason Coons on the button. He gets folded around to him. I did mention briefly, he has 49 blinds. He's the chip leader by a significant margin. Second most uh, is a player with 5.1 million and Coons got 9.8 million. So doing quite well. Mm-hmm. It's going to min open on the button to 400K with seven of spades, five of hearts. Cool. Yeah, fine. The big blind is Ponikovs. He's got 4.9 million. So he's doing all right, but it's like 25 bigs. It's not amazing. Um, he calls with ace four of diamonds. 25 bigs is kind of that awkward amount where you don't really want to shove ace four of diamonds against even against a button open because it's just a bit too much, right? I think so. Uh, and just to give everyone a sense of the the table situation, there's three other players who have similar stacks to Ponikovs. Uh, the shortest stack is 2 million, uh, so 10 blinds, but like they're all in that same... Sorry. Yeah, 102. No, no, you said, you said Ponikovs has uh, 25 blinds? Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Oh, he's got 4.5 million. Oh, why did I, have, why did I say a 2 million? I'm crazy. I'm a crazy million. person. So, said, so he's got a lot more. So th- yeah, there, there's like three sh- significantly shorter stacks. I'm sorry. With like between two and two and a half million. So they've got like between 10 and 12 blinds. So that's another reason not to shove here. That's kind of a, like you're, you're going to ladder up a lot if you just don't play like a freaking maniac right now and shove too, uh, too much with this hand, which is what you'd be doing. It feels like a very straightforward call most of the time. I guess you could three back. And ace four of diamonds can play pretty well post-flop. Yeah. I mean, I, w- I like also not three betting small here. 
smaller, I should say, because Coons being the chip leader and in position is just going to call a lot. Unless you size it up so much that you're probably sizing it up too much with this hand in this spot. You know, if you like five X it, great, but now you've like you're almost committed to the hand and it feels like too much. So I like to, I think a call Kuhn, makes all the sense. Kuhn doesn't have an S on his name. Ponikovs does. Yeah. You called him Coons. No, I didn't. I said Coons okay. is Coons I was like saying is or has or something. I disagree Coons, strongly and I'm Coons very is gonna upset. call. Coons is gonna call, right? Coon is gonna call. Coons is gonna call. Coons is going to call? Coons is going to call. That's calling him Coons. Coons is going to call. See, when I say it that fast, though, it's Coon is going to call. Coon is going to call. Sounds like Coons. Yeah, that time, the second time, the, the audience I feel, knows. I they feel know like the, if, they I know was, the truth. if I was in the court of law, I might be able to swing this one. I might be able to convince a jury of my peers because not everyone is paying as much attention as you Maybe if you, you had are. Johnny Cochran as your lawyer, yeah. he's no longer available. So, yeah, Ponikov's... Okay. Does just call the ace four of diamonds. Yeah. After the antes and everything, the pot is 1.125 million. The flop is ace of spades, nine of spades, king of hearts. So Ponikov's flops top pair. Kuhn flops basically nothing with yeah. seven five. Two um, terrible backdoors. That's it. This is going to go about exactly how everybody expects it's going to go and how it's supposed to go, where Ponikov's checks, Kuhn bets 281K. It's a small bet, but he's got a range advantage on this board. It's normal. And uh, Ponikov's calls. Yeah. This really couldn't have gone any other way, right? This, these players had to do these things. I mean, it's sho- it would be shocking for Coons to check this board, especially with this hand. Uh, it would be shocking for who to check this board? Coon. It's hard for you to... What's happened to me? ...into that sense. What has happened to me? You know, that one is maybe tougher. You were just saying, maybe you were just saying it would be shocking for Coon is to check that board. <laughs> <laughs> I meant, no, what I was saying was... I was thinking about Kuhn, not just in this spot, but in all the spots in this, you know, when he's got uh, uh, this on this board. So that's multiple spots. So multiple Coons, it's multiple Jasons. So all of them would probably bet here is what I'm saying, obviously. And everyone gets that. And I believe a jury of my peers would understand me. <laughs> you know, you, you have an even stronger argument if you're not just talking about spots like this, but about the multiverse and how mm. there are multiple Jason Coons making this decision at the same time. And maybe, maybe just like... <laughs> Four percent of them are checking back. I would most. guess it's even less. I think Coons are betting this. <laughs> <laughs> All of them. <laughs> on this All board, of the Jason Coons. On this board, they're betting almost their entire range with this. Are, is, don't you think Coons is betting almost their entire range? <laughs> I think in the multiverse, yes. Yeah, like I think that's maybe King Queen is a check back. You know, but like that's almost maybe Jack Jack is a Queen Queen is a check back once in a while. But like very few hands are checking back this board. He might even be betting all Obviously. of them just for because like this is just his board. Yeah, I mean you're supposed to have some checkbacks on most yeah. boards, and and a king a king is natural for that. I uh, agree, and sure. also this has still got some wetness to it, and you're also way ahead, way behind with the king here. So I, I think usually you're checking the king, um, but then you have to check but some course, air too. So anyway, of course Jason Kuhn has nothing, so he's going to bet. Yeah, and of course Ponikovs has an ace, and Ponikovs call. Clearly very standard. There is really no reason to raise top pair here. I guess you could deny equity to some gut shots or something, but who cares? Mm-hmm. Not worth it. Yeah, agreed. Uh, all right. So the pot is now 1.68 million. The turn is the eight of spades. The board now reads ace of spades, king of hearts, nine of spades, eight of spades. Not a great card if you're Ponikovs. Uh, not a great card not to bad. continue on necessarily if you're Kuhn. It's, it's not a but, terrible card for Ponikovs. I mean, sure, you'd rather have it not be a spade. But like, since we know as Ponikovs, we know Kuhn's 
They they are always <laughs> betting that flop. So it isn't like Coons or in this case, just this Coon, Jason Coon, uh, has uh, like a lot of flushes here. He has sure he has some, but he has like all the rest of his range too when the eight of spades comes. So it's it's not as bad as it looks. You'd rather have it not be a spade, but it's not that bad. Like we're never folding to a turn bet. I don't think. I mean, what's a what's a worse card than a spade if you're Ponikovs? Uh, that's a fair question. Uh, I mean, the, oh, oh, there's a worse card than the eight of spades. I guess you're right. Like the jack nine and ten of spades are the worst cards, probably right. Um, yeah. So because because it, it makes multiple, it makes a lot of two pairs, it makes a lot of straights, it makes a lot of flushes. The eight of spades really, really just almost only brings in the flush. You know, I guess there's a few two pair, but but not that many. I guess I guess it it's all, all combos of the two pair actually are there. What? Yeah, king eight and eight nine are ace, uh, ace eight, that... which which we already listened to anyway. But we're going to chop with a lot. Of, we would have chopped with ace eight, and now we're losing ace eight. So actually, yeah. all the two pair combos are available for Kuhn. So that's not. So actually, it's really just a straight. All right, this is not a great card. I'm um, come around. Yes, Kuhn's thank you range. That's Kuhn's apostrophe s. By the way, so singular Jason Kuhn, but the possessive his range. Yes, you know. Um, is doing pretty well and, and ultimately likes that card. Now, as, as Ponikovs, as Ponikovs, we have also made a bunch of two pair. We make all the same two pair. Yeah. So there's but that. We don't have that. Yeah, we didn't actually but do But Jason that. Kuhn, so Ponikovs is going to check. That yeah. makes plenty of sense. Mm-hmm. This card does improve Jason Kuhn in multiple ways. He now has a straight draw and a flush draw, although both of them are kind of garbage. Yeah. But they are... They are something. And yeah. against Ace Four of Diamonds, they're definitely something. Agreed. Should he be continuing now? Is this a good card to keep betting? I kind of think it is, actually. This is one of the best cards in the deck for Jason Kuhn, right? Like yeah. almost as good as it gets. Like we hit a we hit we suddenly have a combo draw out of nowhere, out of having seven high. I guess a seven is better and a five is better, but we're usually losing if we hit those. Now we're losing this too, but now we've got really reasonable equity instead of having essentially no equity. Uh, no, this is better than a seven or a five. Yeah. I mean, against the hands that called on the flop, unless exactly. they're spades, we pick up way more equity with this than we do if we had a seven or a five. Right. And like, even when we're up against Jack 10 and Queen 10 and Queen Jack, those hands have pretty good equity against us if we hit a seven or a five. Um, yeah. I think this is one of the best cards in the deck for us as Jason Kuhn. Maybe the best card in the deck for us, now that I think about it. Um, I guess the six of spades is the same. But the two best, those are the two best cards in the deck, right? So I think yeah. we should bet when suddenly we have equity and we've got a trash hand that really would love a fold. And a lot of Ponikov's range is going to have to fold the turn. And we absolutely could have a flush here that we would bet or two yeah. pair that we could bet. I mean, so Kuhn checks back. Yeah. So let's talk about that. I yeah. guess he's, he fears that Ponikov's has too many flushes. As Kuhn, you do block that with the seven of spades. Clearly, the seven of spades would be in a lot of the combos that Ponikov's could have that would be flushes. So that should be heartening for, for Jason. Just, but sorry, go ahead. I, I, guess, I guess that must be what's going through his head, but Ponikovs has a ton of hands like 9X that are just going to fold, right? And King X is going to have trouble holding on if Kuhn bets again, unless it has a spade with it. Kuhn has decided to rep a medium strength hand. He's decided to rep an ace, not a spade draw. Not a not, not or not like a not a flush. He's decided to rep, rep like top pair, so he's going to try and bluff the river, I guess, and, and sometimes get yeah. there. And then the story is really hard to believe if the spade comes in that he like has a spade or the straight comes in. That's going to be really hard to see. I mean, he's not going to be that excited about either. No. I mean, the straight is a little better. The straight is the pretty spade, good. The straight is pretty yeah. good. Yeah, but the, you're right. The, the spade, spade is not amazing. Yeah, and the, the straight doesn't come in very often at all. There's three outs to the straight. 
right? That isn't a flush. So, like, yeah, you're right. He's not going to be super excited about it. It's not going to be super easy to get value if the spade comes anyway. So, really, we're just on. We need one of the three sixes to come. Then we can get value. That's fine. Um, but we can't even get huge value. If Ponikov's bet, we can only call anyway, I think. Right? Yeah. It seems like we can't. Even if we, we make this. Even if we make the straight, I don't think yeah. we can raise. That's what I mean. River. Yeah, like we okay. hit the six. It's like the six of diamonds. Can we really raise and get and get called by a worse hand? I mean, a little bit maybe. Like a six, we can you know get called by stuff like that. But there's not much there. It's probably not profitable to do anything but call. So like, I absolutely want to bet as Coon because we have a garbage hand that has equity, and we're probably not going to get a lot of value on the river anyway if we get there. Yeah. I agree with all those things, but one of the best players in the world decides to check. So, I mean, I guess he just believes that Ponikovs is holding on a little bit too much with hands like Kings and has too many flushes. That's part of it. And it's possible. The other part is that he thinks Ponikovs knows all this. And so by checking Ponikovs can really almost never put him on a, on any kind of combo draw ever. And so maybe he thinks that changes the equation a little bit as a result. I don't know. Maybe, but like you were saying before though, like the flush is, it's really going to be hard to get value anyway. Is deception worth it in this case? Don't we just want to win the pot? Like we can just bet and win the pot a lot here, right? Like we yeah, have. Ponikovs is, should be Ponikov should be less likely to continue calling than in most spots because of the shortness of the average stack and the closeness of a lot of the stacks to Ponikovs and some stacks that are even much shorter. Yeah, Coons also just has a massive range advantage here, right? Coons has got Ace King. Yeah. He's got all the sets. He's got the flushes. Much Ponikovs has some flushes, but Coons has more, right? Like based on how they played it, Ponikovs is going to play some of his flush draws aggressively or bet the turn himself when it comes in, some of the time, at least, right? And like Coons just has more of everything strong here. I'm really surprised he doesn't bet. Me too, but that's what happens. Yeah. What you shouldn't be surprised about is how incredible Nitrogen Sports Poker is, especially when you use the link in the description of this podcast because you get access to the greatest iterated value in poker, poker, poker. That was a half-hearted monster truck type thing. It's like a monster truck announcer who got tired partway through. I'm working on a new bit. (laughs) It's workshopping. I'm still workshopping. Sleepy monster truck announcer? Yeah. Cool. All right, I'm going to go for... Sunday. 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 Mmm. Monster trucks. That's it. That's the mm. whole... I think, I think you're going to have to... Character. Keep, keep, you know, hitting the open mics a little more on that one <laughs> before you take yeah. it out for, uh, for I a I need real. a little bit more... I need to do some more research on, on the etymology of monster trucks and mm. all of that. Yeah, there's going to be a lot of humor you're going to derive from that for sure. I'm looking forward to it. All right, anyway... Tell them about the tournament, Levy. Well, Let it's amazing. I'll tell them that. It's like a galaxy of value, Grant, because every single month, Nitrogen guarantees 1,000 buy-ins, but they cap the player pool at 300. And in fact, we usually get less than that anyway. We usually get like 200 players, which means you just can't trip and not land on a star of EV. Everywhere you go, it's just a sea of stars you're falling into and, and dipping your hands into. It's amazing. The value grant, because they guarantee this buy-in, uh, the, sorry, the prize pool, it's outrageous. Here's some other cool things I'm just going to throw out there. It's a Bitcoin-only poker site, which is awesome. It's also got sports betting casinos. You get your money in fast. You get your money out in 90 minutes. This stuff is just unheard of in the freaking poker world and most other places, too, with you know withdrawing money. 
it's basically a winner on every level. It's an avalanche of value. Excellent. Well said. Good point. Yeah. I really feel like I so get it. I worked. Oh, sorry. Please finish the ad. So get on nitrogen and get you some poker. <laughs> I really feel like I have. I did the heavy lifting in that ad because you like you did like your workshopping stuff. Eh, didn't really yeah. land. So I had to really like go for it a little bit more than normal, and I like pull out the metaphors and brought it home. Well, get ready for some heavy lifting because I'm going to do a little bit of post ad deconstruction. Oh. That's going to be important culturally for years to come. Okay, and by that I mean forgettable immediately. Um, so. You said a galaxy of value, and yeah. that made me think about this story that's been kind of circulating on various things that I look at every once in a while, like Reddit or the news or whatever, about how scientists have recently discovered an asteroid that its, its mineral composition makes it worth $10 quadrillion or something yeah. like that. You've seen this? I have. That is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever heard. Like, of course, that's not true, because if those minerals were actually to be transported to Earth, the supply would be so absurd that it would be worth nowhere near that. It's not actually worth that. You can't it, nothing can be worth more than the collective wealth of the entire planet. They're just trying to give us they're trying to give an, an, a sense, though, of like, I mean, the, it's the only way to to um, quantify, though, like the amount of minerals that are on there and the value of them yeah. based on right now. So that's why I they're know. saying it, right? And it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a sensational way to talk about it, but it also does give you a sense. Of course, you're right. For lots of reasons, were someone to successfully mine it and be able to bring it back to the earth, there, there are many reasons why they, that would not be worth a quadrillion dollars. One is, of course, the supply of all these minerals would go way up when the demand would stay roughly the same. That would drive the yeah. price wildly down. Um, of, as you point out, there isn't enough wealth in the world to cover that bill anyway. You know, so like it would just basically would just drive down the price of like gold and silver and everything else. It'd be great for Bitcoin, <laughs> great for crypto <laughs> for sure. But these things are like, so what? Like no one's going to fly there to mine this stuff for all the reasons we're talking about. Also, it's really expensive and I'm sure really dangerous. I saw Armageddon, you know? Yeah. It's not easy to do that. You think man. that was easy? You think that was easy? I know it wasn't. I know that it wasn't. They, Bruce Willis died, man. You got to, dude, he was, dead the, he was dead the whole time, bro. That's, the, that's the big twist in Armageddon. It's so genius that they figured out that what you need to do is hire a, an oil rig team, a crew of expert oil rig driller guys, and teach them how to be astronauts. That's a better idea than teaching astronauts how to drill holes. I mean, sure. in fairness, Ben Affleck, when they were filming the movie, said to Michael Bay, who's the director, he said, wouldn't it be so much faster to teach astronauts how to drill? And I believe Michael Bay said, shut the fuck up, Ben. And that was the end of it. (laughs) Because they were, you know, (laughs) deep into filming this movie and it didn't, like, of course they were going to keep going with it, you know. But of course, yes, you are correct. Uh, That would be, that would be the better decision. Is that like the, uh, the highest grossing Michael Bay movie uh, adjusted for, Inflation? I don't think so. I would guess it was um, Con Air or The Rock, but I certainly. Oh no, Transformers! I, I Transformers. Hope. Okay, fine. Maybe Transformers. Definitely. I Transformers. hope it was Con Air or The Rock. Until then, though, because those movies are so much better than Armageddon. I mean, The Rock is pretty darn great. You know, I haven't yeah. seen it in a long time, but I remember it being kind of wonderful. You know, dude, Con Air is awesome. Con Air is a little it bit more absurd stu- though than The Rock. 
It's like the stupid awesome yeah. Nicolas Cage with long hair who whose body classifies as a weapon, which is why he is sentenced <laughs> to prison, is the best fucking thing in the world. Steve, Steve Buscemi, Buscemi, whatever you pronounce his name, um, I don't really buy that character were, at all, and they spend a lot of time with him. So that's a little problem for yeah. But Cyrus the Virus, it's, John Malkovich, pretty awesome. Yeah, that's good. And they got the and they got Bubba from Forrest Gump to play a diabetic guy. So that oh worked. yeah, that's true. Cole Meany is in it also. He's you know the like the Scottish agent. Yeah, dude yeah. that guy's in everything. He's, he's always angry. Everything. But yeah, yeah. Got, he's like I think he's mostly angry about the size of his forehead, but he's definitely angry and everything. <laughs> God bless. Dude, it's the, just listening to the premise of Con Air makes me want to watch it five times in a row. It's so good. <laughs> Long-haired Nicolas Cage is such a good fighter that in defending uh, his his wife from, at the time, I believe, from yeah. three attackers in a pregnant rainy wife. downpour. Pregnant wife. Pregnant in, in New Orleans in a rainy downpour, defending her and accidentally killing the attackers, sends him to a maximum security prison because the government has classified his body as a weapon. He then He's... ends up on a hijacked airplane <laughs> full of the worst criminals in humanity, yeah. which is then taken over by those criminals, including John Malkovich's Cyrus the Virus. I can't wait to watch this movie again. God, what it... an incredible movie. <laughs> <laughs> Just the fact that he goes to jail, they like they just gloss over the fact that like yeah he he like punches the guy and it kills the dude as he's defending his wife in a very clearly in a very clear like self defense situation. By the way, he's like a soldier. He's like military. These guys are like scum of the earth. He's always winning that trial. He's never <laughs> not winning that trial. You know, it's it's really um, they just gloss over that whole thing. It's just like he punches the. It's like a flashback. He's already in jail basically because they're like yeah. we don't, we can't, we can't talk about all the legal technicalities that got him here because it'd be that's three movies unto itself that's a trilogy uh we're here now and that's that no you're right it's an incredible ridiculous absurd movie that kind of embraces absurdity and fairness to it and uh yeah and it's pretty wonderful but i think the rock is better because the rock takes itself a little bit more seriously in all the right ways sean connery sean connery Sean Connery yeah. basically playing James Bond in, in like a different version, but a, a version of James Bond, which is kind of cool, you know, criminal James Bond. Yeah. But like, you know, but essentially James Bond, who's been like locked away for a long time, you know, and, and while you have Ed Harris in there playing the, the sort of bad guy, but also, you know, he's trying to be honorable a little bit too, or so there's like a whole cool thing going on there. It's and Nicholas Cage, okay, but the Nicholas, the Nicholas Cage character from Con Air is better than the Nicholas Cage character from The Rock for sure. I mean, they're different. Nicholas Cage is like in in The Rock is like what a poison expert or something, an explosives expert, something, some kind of expert where he like injects himself with like I don't even know plasma, plutonium. I don't know some some liquid that's going to kill him, but it doesn't. Yeah. I, who can remember? But it's it's good stuff. I think he's an explosive expert. Boy, we've really gotten off topic but here. We should really get back to that. We have, but who, but who cares? I want to talk more about this. Okay, one last thing. Dave yeah. Chappelle's in Con Air. We're bringing that up. Is he one of the soldiers? Yeah. No, he's a criminal. Oh, Con Air. Con Air, I'm sorry. Uh, really? Yeah. How about that? I did not know that. Fine. That was before, half, before, before half baked, even. I mean, wow. old school. Really old school. Hey, anyway. Back to the hand. Where were we? We're going to the show. river? We're going to the river. Jason Kuhn has checked the turn. We both probably would have bet the turn after talking about yeah. it. Yeah. With the 7-5, with the 7 of spades on the ace of spades, nine of spades, king of hearts, eight of spades board. His opponent, Alexei or Alexis or whatever, Ponikovs, has ace four of diamonds on that board for top pair in the effective stack. 
The pot is still one point, or the pot is one point six eight million still mm. after the flop bet and call of Kuhn. The river is the queen of spades, so okay. four spades now on the board, which now reads ace of spades, nine of spades, king of hearts, eight of spades, queen of spades. Jason now has the best hand with the seven high flush. Ponikovs obviously hates this card. Yeah. Uh, he checks. Obviously, we know Jason's not just going to check back. We wouldn't be doing a podcast if that were the case. Right. That's the only reason it's obvious, though. Right. Like, otherwise, yeah. I would expect Jason to check back a lot here. <laughs> right. That would be what I would typically do. Check yeah. back and take my winnings here. Uh, like, the majority of the time you win. But when you're betting, you're just trying to get called by, I guess, the type of hand that Ponikovs has, right? Which you could, seems like a stretch. You could get called by Ace-X with a worse spade a little bit, but you could also get called by Ace-X with a better spade or any pair with a better spade also. Um, I don't know how often we're really going to get called by those other things. I don't know. Um, I don't think there's too many Ace-X with a better spade. That would have to be Ace-10+, plus, which are more uh, likely to be three bets preflop. Uh, that's fair. That's actually a really good point. I guess he could have a little bit of ace-10, a little bit of ace-jack, but very little. You're right. Very little. Okay. He can have ace-10. But still, that's, that's like not, there's not many combos, obviously, of just that. It's three combos. So whatever, really. Um, so Kuhn is trying All to right. get value. It feels like, yeah, from like a two-pair hand or a one-pair hand or whatever call them where he thinks like if this guy had a flush, he would play it differently some, most of the time is what he's clearly thinking, right? Like... Well, he thinks Ponikovs would bet the river with a better spade most of the time, probably. I would guess that's a big part of it. I mean, if Ponikovs has exactly the ten of spades, he's probably checking, but maybe the other spades he's betting. Or is he betting the jack of spades? I don't know. Yeah. I'm know. not sure there's he only is. Three, there's only three better spades. There's the ten jack yeah. and the king. So I guess it is the second. Actually, the jack of spades makes sense to bet because there's only three. You're right. Yeah. But you should be checking at least one of those cards you know so maybe so maybe if well if, if two out of three are are betting that makes it maybe a little bit better for jason to maybe yeah yeah okay i guess that's true when jason checks back the turn it looks like he has something at least some of the time because that's like a good card for him to continue bluffing on if he's bluffing he didn't but you would think he has like a king or something so yeah. are we really going to get called by a king if we better flush though like it's so unlikely it feels unlikely so um, I, can, I can understand checking a lot of flushes here. That's what I'm saying. It's also a board you don't necessarily expect to get bluffed on too often because there's not a blocker. You can't have a blocker right. on a four-spade unpaired board. Yeah. Right? Like, so there's no reasonable bluffing hands. Yet, what do you think is about to happen? Ponikovs is going to bluff. He's going to yeah. check raise. Jason bets 675 into 1.6 million. Ponikovs makes it 1.75 million. Okay, my first thought is this is a button click. It it feels wrong and bad. Mm. I think I know what Ponikov is repping, and it is a reputable story that he could have the king of spades. He might play the king of spades exactly like this all the way through. Yep. Now, the, the check on the river is the questionable part, but sure, sometimes you're going to do that. Yeah, you should check the nuts sometimes in this spot, for sure. Sometimes. Right. And because there was a king on the flop, he's telling a good story of having the king of spades. He would definitely check call with, like, king six with the king of spades, right, on the flop. Uh, yeah, I think he would. I think he definitely would. By the way, that so means the, the story, ten of spades is, like, the, the fourth best spade, not the third best spade. Because we were, before, we weren't, we weren't counting the king of spades when we were talking about. No, we were. King of spades, jack of spades, ten of spades. What about the queen of spades? 
So that's on the board, buddy. Oh my God. It's on the board. Okay. Back to what yeah. you were saying. <laughs> yeah. So I think we can agree that he's telling a reasonable story. I don't think he has a reason to tell that story though. I, cause, cause Jason can just as easily have the King of Spades in his hand. Like, wouldn't Jason, if he had the King X with the King of Spades, bet the flop a lot of the time? Maybe he would check the flop some of the time. Maybe that's part of it. I think it is. Um, I think that's part of it. He's going to check the but flop it, But if lot. Jason did... Okay, that's fair. I, I stumbled upon that, and that, that is a fair point. But if Jason did bet the flop with the King of Spades in his hand, he would probably check the turn if he didn't have anything going besides just, like, the showdown value of the King and the flush Yeah, draw. he's probably checking the turn a fair amount. That's true. But... If you're um, Ponikovs, you probably think most of the time when one bet goes in on those two streets, it goes in the opposite way when, when Kuhn is the king of spades. Most of the time. Yeah. Not all the time, though. Certainly not all the time, but at least most of the time. Uh, so did maybe, maybe we just stumbled upon Ponikov's logic here. Yeah. Is that J- like a king is one of Jason's most likely checkbacks on the flop. Mm-hmm. And he didn't. Maybe he also just thinks like, when Kuhn has the king of spades on the turn, he actually is going to bet that a fair amount to build a pot. Uh, not, not when you wouldn't be betting for fold equity, clearly, right? But you could you could bet small to build a pot in case you get there, and you can check back easily. If not, you know it's not it's not a terrible play yeah. to do that with the turn because otherwise you're often facing a bet that's bigger than you would have bet the turn with anyway. Ponikovs, when Kuhn has the king of spades, Ponikovs doesn't have any natural bluff spots, you know, any natural bluffs against him. Because the nut yeah. blocker, because Kuhn has it, and Kuhn even has the made hand, so Kuhn can call this if he gets if he gets check raised. He won't love it, but he can do it. Um, maybe maybe Ponikovs is thinking that too. Like Kuhn is just going to bet the turn at least some of the time with the king of spades, even though it's a made hand. Maybe it's more that he would check the flop. You'd expect him yeah. to. Yeah, that's probably true. But both both streets are a little suspect. I think if you're Ponikovs, you could at least wonder about them if he has the king of spades. If Kuhn yeah. were to have the king of spades. I didn't even ask the question, is it necessary to bluff here if you're Ponikovs? Is it better just to hero if you think Kuhn is not not with it, yo? Interesting question. I mean, the problem is Kuhn is good enough to go for thin value. Now, we see him going for As thin value, you. but I think Kuhn might be able to go for thinner value even. Like, is it possible Kuhn could be betting two pairs sometimes for value here? I think it's Maybe. at least possible. He's trying to get called by one pair, right, when he bets this. So... Kuhn might be going, like, maybe Kuhn has aces up or kings up here or eight, nine or king, queen or something. And, uh, like, he could have rivered king, queen. is like, you checked again. Like, I'm going to go for a little value against an ace or a king that heroes me. Ooh, like, you just, you might have just uncovered something in my mind, but you oh, did yeah. it yourself. Congratulations, Jonathan. Um, I think maybe a, a critical problem with the way a lot of, like you were mentioning earlier, a lot of good players are capable of thin value on the river. Other good players can now recognize that that means their ranges of value on the river are expanded by a lot. And in this case, Ponikovs, if he knows that, is emboldened to make this play without any combinatorial reason because he just knows that Kuhn's range is inclusive of so much thin value yeah. that he's going to get enough folds to make this extremely profitable. Absolutely. I, I'm just going to tell a super quick story that I, I know I've told before on this show, but it's really relevant to this, which is so I was playing uh, in a cash game with Ken from poker time and so i've seen like every hand ken's ever played on poker time of course and we got into a pot where uh i think i flopped a i flopped like an open ender on the flop i bet i was a pre-flop raiser he was the big blind he called um i bet the flop i like jack 10 and it was like a king queen x board i bet the flop he called he check called uh 
Oh, no, he's on the button. I'm sorry. So he, I bet he called. Turn, I turned to 10. So I made a pair and was open and decided to check. He bet small. I called. The river was a blank. I checked. He bet again. And I remember thinking, Ken is exactly the kind of guy who would bet both a king and a queen here, like some crazy percentage of time and will always fall to a check raise. Like... I happen to have a blocker of the nuts, but really, he's just betting way too thin, way too often, and I know he falls to check raises. So I, I check raises. Turns out he had the second nuts. But uh, so he called <laughs> right away. Yeah. But the point is, it's the same idea of like, I can, like, you can hunt guys who go too thin if they're not going to then hero call when, you, when, when they're check raised, right? You can just go after them. And so I think this is a really important skill set to have and be able to recognize who's able to do it. It's easy when you can see the cards like I did with Ken. To know this about Kuhn is, is a nice play by Ponikovs. Yeah. So maybe this play isn't just button clicky. Maybe there's more to it. Yeah. You know? He's just aware of Jason Kuhn's ability to go for thin value. That means that like 90% of Kuhn's value range is actually going to fold to this check raise unless Kuhn is adjusted to people doing this to him. I mean, let me ask you this. Like, what hands are what? What is Kuhn calling with when when Ponikov's check raises? He's definitely calling. He's not folding the king of spades. We know that. What else is he calling with? I mean, he's got to call with the second notes, right? Probably has to call with the queen of spades. Although we could argue he's not beating any value, but he probably has to call anyway. Um, right, he's not beating any value, but against a field like this, you have to call with. I agree. Hand. Also, he can afford it. You can you can fold against you can fold against a complete amateur. Yes, but that's against not the situation, a super tight player or in a really a spot that we know is really big for John Hest. Has check raises you on the river. I guess that's that yeah. is a complete amateur. Um, so yeah, I agree. The queen of spades is a call. Uh, oh, sorry, the, the queen of spades is on the board. The jack of spades is a call. The ten of spades, I guess, is a call. But you don't like it, right? It's not great. Yeah, not amazing. And then, by the way, the seven of spades is the next card down. Yeah, it is. Um, so I don't know. What do you think about Ponikov's play after talking about it? How do you I, feel about it? I think I like it. I think Kuhn has rarely has a, a monster here. I'm not saying he never. I'm not saying he never has a monster, but I feel like he's often betting. If he has like a naked jack of spades, he's often betting that on the turn. If he has the king of spades, he's betting that sometimes on the turn or not betting the flop, like we said. Just don't think he has a huge hand very often. So. But, but he absolutely can be ahead of our bad ace and be betting for value anyway. Yeah. I like this play. I don't know if it's great because normally you want to have a blocker, but you can't have a blocker here, like you said. We block, we block like a set of aces, which shouldn't matter here anyway, right? Yeah. I assume that's folding usually if we check raise. I assume. Right. The, block, the blockers are non-existent on a, on a four-flush yeah. unpaired board. Um, yeah, I think maybe if you combine Jason checking the flop which makes a king a lot less likely because that seems like the most likely hand to check the flop with. Yeah. Um, and the fact that you know Jason Kuhn is capable of thin value, and maybe if you're Ponikovs, you've played with him before, who knows? Maybe you're, you know he's capable of like the seven of spades level thin value, maybe even thinner. And you know he's capable of folding those hands. Now, that, that's another key. Like, if people are doing this to Jason Kuhn, which eventually, eventually he's a great player and a smart guy. He's going to adjust. He's going to start yeah. calling with these hands when he gets check raised, but again, against the right type of player, of course. Um, yeah. I mean, but this is not that time. Jason Kuhn does fold. This play sure. works. I mean, it makes sense and to I, me. I get the fold. Yeah. I obviously I get the fold. I mean, 
I mean, Ponikov is is repping basically just the King of Spades, but he could absolutely have the King of Spades as played. Yes, exactly. Um, By the way, there's different ways for Jason to adjust to this, right? Like one way is to call more on these check raises with weaker hands. Another way is to make less than value bets, right? Those are like against certain players. You know, both of those work fine. And I guess if the more he thinks someone's bluffy is going to be bluffing this spot, he can bet call with a hand like this. Um, But otherwise, like just making a few like... This, we thought this was thin, too thin for us anyway to make. Now, he's better than we are, so I'm not saying he's wrong to make this play. And this is probably profitable for him, even though it didn't work this time, right? Even maybe yeah. against, like, Ponikovs, this may be profitable, even though it didn't work this time. But, like, boy, you can get owned so hard here, you know, where it's like you just check back, you get to win a nice pot. And instead, you end up costing yourself an extra 675 k and the pot because you went for just a little bit more cheese, yeah, a little more cheese, a little more cheese. Jason Goon didn't get that much more cheese in the end either. He only finished two spots later despite his big chip lead going into this hand. He got seventh place. Still $285,000. That's pretty good. And Ponikovs got fourth. Is that right? Yeah, for $720,000. That's a lot better. Big Hooney finished second for $1.3 million. And some unknown player, it just says unknown, one of the $1.8 million. So somebody I love else. love me some Big Hooney. I know, big you're Huni. a huge Big Hooney so, guy, but that's mostly because, you know, you play with him that one time, right? I played with him, and he was really nice. Yeah. And he was, like, a fun guy. It was cool. If you guys ever see Grant anywhere, and you're even slightly nice to him, he will just think you're the greatest forever. Like, buy him a, one slice of pie. He will talk you up till he dies. Uh, okay. I'm going to turn off my microphone so I can say this to Jonathan. Jonathan. Yeah. Thank you for the for enacting the pie plan yeah. to get me the free pie. <laughs> I know. And the audience is now, is now duped. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to turn my microphone back on so the audience can hear me. Okay, again, good. Right? Yeah, we won't. We'll act okay. like we didn't say anything. All right. Sorry for that silence, guys. Um, but yeah, no, don't. Yeah, sure. Buy me pie, whatever. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I want. I don't care. I'm telling you. Buy him pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went in weird places again. Yeah. So... Ultimately, I think uh, the upshot here is that I like Ponikov's play. Going into it, I thought I wasn't going to like it. Mm-hmm. And my initial hit was the same as my initial hit when we first started discussing the river and that it was button clicky. Uh, but that might be overly focused on blockers. I, I'm thinking about like how blockers are necessary for big river bluffs, but that's not necessarily true if you know enough about your opponent and about the expanse of their range. Yeah, I agree. I think this is a pretty great play. And uh, Ponikov's pulls it off successfully. Now, I will say this. Coons, all of them, considered on the river, did not insta-fold the seven high flush, really thought for a bit. So that's sort of interesting, too. Like, Coons knows knows that he's betting thin and knows he might be getting taken advantage of and is at least considering calling in the spot. So that's kind of interesting, too. So he's not too far off. Like, if he had the ten high flush, maybe he's calling. Maybe he is. Yeah. Maybe he is. Maybe. We'll never know. We just know he folded here.